Unlimited talk at your fingertips. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Erin Riley, and we're broadcasting live here at Infinity Festival. I'm a, a professor at the University of Texas at Austin and a strategic consultant for the Infinity Festival. And we're bringing Silicon Valley innovators together with Hollywood storytelling professionals. And I have with me Sean Stewart here, a guest to talk about immersive and hopefully inspire the next generation of storytellers. Welcome, Sean. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Sean, tell us a little bit about who you are, what, you, what you're currently doing. Uh... So I started off as a science fiction novelist, as you know, yeah. and then I ended up somehow being the guy you call when you have a strange online scavenger hunt nonlinear narrative. Uh, and ARGs. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I, thank you for the shout out. Uh, this thing called Alternate Reality Games that I was one of the sort of co-creating group of. Um, and now I work with Magic Leap, which is a company that makes uh, mixed reality goggles um, so that you can see the world around you and you can still see it. It's not like virtual reality, but you can overwrite it with uh, all kinds of virtual content, um, whether that's informative or because I'm me entertainment oriented stuff. So background as an author, a science fiction writer, moving all the way into some of the hottest emerging technology that's happening. How, uh, how did you, this is a zig and a zag. Uh, yes, well. How does it connect? So the initial online project was uh, what's now considered the first alternate reality game um, was uh, for Steven Spielberg's film AI. And uh, they came up with this idea of what if we, what if we reenacted the, the Paul is dead Beatles mystery, but we sort of built out the world of uh, AI online and people could have this experience uh, online all over the place. And uh, the guys at Microsoft uh, came up with this pitch and they took it to Spielberg and, and his producer, Kathy Kennedy. And they said, that's great, but we don't want just some Microsoft dude writing that. So we're going to go talk to a real, honest-to-goodness, powerful, cutting-edge uh, science fiction writer, which was not me. Um, they went to a guy named Neil Stevenson, and Neil said in his usual immaculately polite and very gentle way, actually, the book writing thing is working out okay for me, mm -hmm. but I have a broke friend. <laughs> so I stepped into that breach, and that put me on this path through interactive collaborative uh, material and interactive television and now I'm at um, Magic Leap. So I'm curious uh, you know I hear the words immersive interactive experiential um, do, are they one and the same or do they have differences how would you define or the combination of all of those? Uh, well your new experience is whatever word is getting funded um, <laughs> But uh, loosely speaking, <coughs> immersive, I guess, is one of the broadest categories. So um, around here at a festival like this, you'll see people showing 360 video in um, virtual reality. And that's immersive in the sense that it's all around you. Mm -hmm. um, I am more interested in um, a sub 
part of that, which is you might think of as collaborative. That is, when the audience has some kind of ability to move or speak or drive the action or turn their attention and the art you're building responds to that. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, I was trying to explain what I do to my mom, um, a challenge over the last 20 years. Oh, this will be good for <laughs> students. I'm sure they're trying to explain <laughs> it to their moms as well. <laughs> so uh, so one of the, the sort of quick cheats I evolved was when I started as a novelist, art in my head and what I was doing was a lot like cooking. You make a meal, you put it in front of people, and then they can either eat it or not. And the art that I'm most interested in making now um, is more like dancing, which is you rent a hall, you get a band, you get your fancy clothes on, and you come to the audience, and you offer your hand, and then you begin to dance. And Together. The, the old ballroom thing was the gentleman proposes the step, mm -hmm. and the lady decides whether to accept it. And I think a lot of the art that I'm interested in has that kind of collaborative dancing thing. There is a lead, which you have, but if it does not work for your partner, then you need to adjust and respond to what that partner is interested in. Right. And um, so w are there certain guardrails or constraints that you um, have in your toolkit that you'd recommend as like creating this kind of dance between storyteller and audience? That's a really good question. Um, the first guardrail I would have is actually for creators, um, which is respect the audience. And Thank I'll, you. I'll tell you what I mean. Um, uh, when you put a new thing out in the world, Everybody sort of understands you don't write reviews of it yourself. And if you get caught, that's bad. It's like liking your own social media right, post. Right. Don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't do that because, among other things, the Internet is full of very smart people who will catch you. Right. Similarly, a lot of the experiences I've made, right, um, uh, I create this mysterious experience and website and books and all that sort of thing. People dive in and then the community will form and they'll be, you know, maybe they'll be talking about it on uh, social media or there'll be a Reddit thread or there'll be a Discord. Don't go in there and pretend to be one of them. Mm -hmm. Don't go in there and like things or dislike things or drop clues. That's their space. Respect their space. Respect the rules of the game. Mm -hmm. Um it helps to, uh, one of the things that, because I started in alternate reality games, um, one of the things that's often said about that genre is um, people didn't even know if it was real. Not the case. Everyone always knew that it was not real. Right. Everyone, no one went to a website that said, I'm a professor of sentient machine therapy at Bangalore World University and the year is 2142. No one clicked on that site and said, oh my God, I'm looking at a website from 2142. All of a sudden I've jumped in time. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> what they understood was, as I look at this website and when I talk to other people about it and this story, we are all in 2142. Right. We, we inhabit... That world. The... The lady accepts the step mm -hmm. and begins the dance, but it's not like she doesn't understand that you're dancing, right? Right. So the urge to hoax people, the urge to make them feel 
um, like, oh, what is even real, is something that people often bring to the space that's not really very helpful. Mm -hmm. Among other things, it's a power over move. Right. Um, it's a God game move. And uh, I prefer a more respectful stance to the audience. Does that make any sense? No, it definitely does. Um, and uh, it's great fodder to, uh, t to share with my students when thinking about our relationship with the audience. Um, I'd love to uh, jump in because I, uh, I know that you started with writing books, right? Yeah. And um, I often talk with students about reimagining what a book is, right? And thinking about the affordances of each media. And I'm curious, since you've really participated and, uh, and developed stories across so many different mediums, how do you come to a new medium? Uh, where do you begin? That's such an interesting question. Um, respect is helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Learning is helpful. Um, each, each thing you work in, there's uh, like humility is a good start. Mm -hmm. um, I had advantages that I did not recognize when I started out. Um, I, was a, I was a hipster role player. Like I was that kid who didn't play D&D &D because everybody plays D&D. &D. <laughs> so I, I had to play. I'm sorry, we can't be friends. Not yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'm the kid who is playing Empires of the Petal Throne, but with the RuneQuest damage tables. Oh, that's so, so cool. Uh, so you're, you're totally an edge dweller. Then. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of a hipster role player is like pretension taken to an entirely new level. You need an, a t-shirt for yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I try to suppress that part of my past. Um, but between that and then in college, I put myself through college partially um, running LARPs and yeah. writing murder mystery dinner theater. And um, those all share this uh, thing that you're working with an audience that is responding in real time and you have to adapt a little bit, yeah. but you have to build a story architecture that's strong. So I'd say my usual, that the pillars that I take that run... I'm going to talk about narrative a lot because I'm a writer at heart yeah. and that's, that's my part on these projects. I try to take strong stories that, you know, there, there are certain well-understood engines, right? Fairy tale structure works. Mm -hmm. um, two couples, you know, if it was good enough for Pride and Prejudice and Middlemarch, it's probably good enough for what you're doing. Right. Um, if someone comes and says... Let's do Romeo and Juliet, but set some, you know, that's going to work because yeah. it always works. So I, I try to take relatively um, established and, and uh, structurally sound narratives. Then I try to think about how is the audience going to um, interact with them in a way that is fulfilling for them. So uh, to speak, on one hand, you have the writing of stories that is exciting to you. Um, that you would build just like any other time you're building a story. And on the other hand, um, in you're building what a gamer would call a game loop. Like, what is the exciting thing for the player to do and uh, repetitively? How do they engage with the story, talk to their community, find an action, rinse, repeat? So putting together the game loop and the story piece so that they sort of mesh pleasantly right um that seems to carry across multiple different kinds of storytelling does that make any yeah, sense yeah and, and affordances of different media that right. you're playing in you right. look at it from both of those lenses and kind of 
merge them together. And and when you're using, like I started out in a format that uses a lot of different kinds of media and just yeah. try to know what each thing is good at mm -hmm. and, and honestly what the price point is. Like, <coughs> sorry about that. Um, I w that first project was um, done, the, the, the guy who came up with the idea is a man named Jordan Weissman, who's a game designer who's oh yeah, come up Jordan's with an great. infinite number of things. And um, Jordan likes to, Jordan has built video games of every kind, but he says, when, when possible, always invoke the infinite resolution renderer. Hmm. So a line of text that creates a vivid image in someone's mind is yeah. super cheap to make and has the fidelity of resolution in their imagination beyond what you can do with a lot of processors. So Jordan is very big on using the infinite resolution renderer when he can. Um, oh, my God. I love that. Uh, uh, make smart content then, right? Yeah, <laughs> make, make smart content. And, you know, when something that is expensive, Maybe save. don't do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, do less of it or save it for a certain moment and make sure it's giving you the bang for buck um, right. that you want it to make. Right. Um, so, uh, uh, oh, God, this is such a wealth of knowledge. I, I'm curious in regards to um, thinking about the next generation and how they work together. You know, usually when people think about writers, it's a lonely job or you're alone, but it doesn't sound like you work alone. It's actually the funnest part of my second career is that I spent years and years and years typing in my bedroom, basically right. being a novelist. Uh, one of the things that's super fun about doing this kind of um, more interactive and immersive work is that it's collaborative. Um, if it's, Shakespeare had the benefit of working with team, right? He right. had a whole bunch of actors with a different, you know, Shakespeare is famous for having his negative capability, his ability to imagine what it was like to be something he wasn't. Yeah. But what people forget is he spent all day, every working day with 10 other dudes. Right. Building that stuff. Um, in the world that I work in, writer, programmer, art guy, and game designer are two guitars, bass, and drums, right? That's, that's the band. Right. Um, and you can make some amazing stuff with that band. When that you I have the band together. Uh, it's super, super fun to do. So um, I'm constantly telling or putting the students in teams. And I think when they walk out of my classroom, they realize the importance of teams and collaboration. Yep. And I think this is a good moment to bring on your daughter, uh, Rowan, because uh, it sounds like y'all are a good team as well. And, <coughs> and then I can, uh, I'd love to kind of just, hi, Rowan. Hi. How are you? Welcome. So, Rowan, uh, just, just since you're jumping in on the stage with us, uh, tell people who you are and uh, what, you're, what you're doing. So, my name is Rowan Stewart, and I'm a product manager at BCG Digital Ventures. So, what we do is we actually create amazing products for Fortune 500 companies, and I specialize in data science-driven products. Data science-driven. Yeah. Well, data science is definitely part of immersive. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the backbone that I think we're shaping a lot of storytelling in mm -hmm. lately, um, and tying into audience and how yeah. we measure audiences in new ways. Um, so I'm curious from both of you, and this is kind of the wrap of this, is uh, I'm hoping to, as I build out Texas Immersive at UT Austin, really kind of creating the new skills. Uh, what are the skills students need, both hard and soft skills in order to be prepared to participate in this very wide immersive field. Um, so from both of your perspectives and you as a dad, you know, what, what have you seen <laughs> in Rowan? 
because uh, Rowan is closer to my students age and I'd love to know like talk to your peers you yeah, know of course. Um, help me get them ready yeah I think for me it was really hard for me when I was young to speak in front of others especially to speak extemporaneously and I really worked on doing public speaking and that's something that I didn't expect to need so much in my career but it's been really really important well I'm in the college of Commun- Moody's College of Communications so okay maybe your students will be so more prepared I hope these students are prepared to speak in front of the public but we'll get all of the business yes. students and the engineering students yeah. to uh, get ready to speak the other thing that was part of that right is that you went to a high school where they put you in groups relentlessly like you yeah. never had you never had individual no homework. solo projects no yeah. solo projects yeah you always had to even in the mathematics and science courses actually uh, create a presentation present against a panel and present with a group so nothing was individual which is very much how the workplace actually is Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you see that also um, at Magic Leap, that everyone is working in groups? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the nature of this work is it's pretty collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I will say on Rowan's behalf is that <laughs> she is an interesting combination because she has a, a, a fairly advanced design sensibility. She messes around in sh- Photoshop. She paints. She does graphic arts. Um, and uh, her specialization in... Uh, university. She was actually a philosophy student, but did a lot of formal logic. So she's able to both speak to programmers the way programmers understand problems and break them down logically, but she can also talk to designers and artists and business people and translate for all three of those groups. And the ability mm-hmm. to, sp- to be familiar enough to uh, with each of those disciplines to be able to cross talk across them, I think has been super helpful. Yeah, and immersive, right? Like that's the entire point. You're melding worlds together. So being able to talk to lots of different types of people with different skill sets and different backgrounds is super important. And it's not something that you learn in normal school because you're working so independently. Right. So uh, one thing I can take away from this is uh, bring lots of different generations and disciplines together to foster the next generation of creatives and business people. Um, So thanks so much, Rowan and Sean, for uh, (laughs) coming on to our podcast. We're live here at the Infinity Festival. Thank you. Thank you.